Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expand upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and we have fun doing it. This week, we are spotting off about whether or not Linux users live inside a bubble a bit too much. I can answer that immediately. Yeah, of course, of course we do. <laughs> Let's get into episode 82. With me today, I have two of my very favorite people. Well, I have one of my very favorite people and Matt. Wendy, how are you doing? (laughs) I am doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Got a little more sleep last night than I did the night before. So we're going forward, (laughs) moving up. (laughs) Fantastic. Oh, Nathan. Yeah, well, you know, you actually, Matt, really, truly, you are one of my favorite people. Like, I I think about you often. Every time I step in some, like... (laughs) To troll. Whenever whenever I go out and take care of my animals and I'm you know wearing my muck boots and I step in some like really nasty muck immediately I think of you every time Matt Oh how sweet isn't that just I, so is. sweet I can't say what I want to <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well you you can I'll just put like the beep over you and yeah there you go <laughs> The magic of editing Nope, I'm going to be good, right. so you don't have to edit that part in the first mm. okay. of the show. Well, I do appreciate that as well. You know. <laughs> Despite the, the humor you'll get out of it having the sound clip for the editing. <laughs> well, to I do use like later. to share those things with you guys afterwards, yeah. Mm, it's always fun. <laughs> so, Matt, you have an update on your 1X player. What is this yeah. update? So, last show I had shown that I had gotten the... Another company handheld piece gaming PC. I don't know what mm-hmm. the heck yep. you want to call mm-hmm. it. Uh, a Steam Deck alike. De- yeah, the Steam Deck like. Yeah, thing. it did not play nice with Windows. It did not play nice with Linux. Huh. A lot of that, well, a lot of that had to do with the joysticks. So I bought the Hall Effect joysticks to replace the ones that were in it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get it configured right. Come to find out, the configuration is actually done on device, and it's not oh. OS dependent. So once that was done, joysticks worked fantastic. Nice. Oh, Linux nice. plays fantastic. So much better than Windows. It's almost like Chimera OS, which is what I'm using. And uh-huh. like that style of interface is almost designed for that device. Who would have thought <laughs> that the experience, who, who would have thought that that type of experience is better than whatever Windows is on a sub 10 inch device? Right. Yeah. So So does uh, that mean you didn't have to replace the joysticks? I don't know. I probably didn't need to, but I now have spares either way, so I'm fine with right. that. And yeah. Generically the Hall effects generally don't suffer what most people call the the joystick drift or stick drift. Which is so like a way. My kids are using game controllers for mm-hmm. their robot, for the FTC robot. And the ones mm-hmm. that they have right now are Logitech, but they're mapped after the, I think it's PlayStation 3 controllers. I'd have to look again to see which ones are legal. But I think they're mapped after the PlayStation 3 controllers. And one of the downsides of the controllers that we have right now is people say that there's dead zones 
inside of the stick so you can't really use them for adjusting speed with you have to set a speed and then use them because the dead zones inside of those thumbsticks are make it's like nothing 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 way too much yeah yeah, yeah. so there's dead zone areas that it will peak up to essentially like yeah. there's really kind of an on off when it comes to some of the analog movement stuff when it comes to those style of joysticks the like the hall effects and the ones on the steam deck i'm just using these as an example are right. very motion I, I guess i'm trying to think of the right way to word that they detect better movement is the yeah, they, okay. their dead zones are are shaped different they they can be changed more you you can go into like if you're using like any type of Steam OS ish device, you can go in and actually change out the dead zones and kind of calibrate mm-hmm. how you want to do stuff and all that kind of jazz. But then again, you can do that with pretty much any of the, any controller I have connected to a Steam OS style device or Steam OS itself has allowed me to configure all of that stuff. So you can nice. I, I so I don't honestly know if. The dead zone is something that can be tweaked in software. It might be able to. For theirs, I don't know. I don't know that we can necessarily change those. I mean, we can get different ones. And I was actually looking at getting them some different controllers. But at the same time, I wasn't wanting to pay 60 bucks a piece yeah, for yeah, the, yeah. the more higher end controllers. So Oh, no, definitely. Especially because I'm, I'm not sure if their rookie team is going to be a team next year or if they're all going to get absorbed into the existing FTC team, whether that's going to stay separate or whether they're going to just merge into one team next year. I mean, still, if they merge into one team next year, it's nice to have backups as yeah, far as definitely. your controllers go. But I was just wondering if like when you upgraded to these other thumbsticks, whether that was something that would be better because they're known for They don't suffer hardware. the the dead zone stuff and the stick generically what Hall Effects generically solves is what's known as stick drift. So like when you go into a game and all of a sudden just as an example, if you're playing a first-person shooter and you go into the game and your character's just looking up at the sky, spinning around, <laughs> you, your your joystick is generically stuck in one direction and or mm. is moving in one direction. What the Hall effects are, are like magnetic movement detection is probably well, the okay. best way to describe it, as opposed to the more traditional analog way of doing it with like the gotcha. ball and all that stuff. That's generically what they solve. So, but overall, I've been enjoying the the one X player now. Currently, it's boxed up, but been taking that home every time I I'm not at the recording studio and using that. Nice. Like my Steam Deck is sitting on my couch at the moment. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, before my Steam Deck was my console at home. So that that that's what I right. use. My whereas now I'm using the I'll give one X player credit. It's a good device. It's just ships with a crappy OS. Shock. But you've solved that with Chimera OS. Yes. So I, I do have a question for you about this. So this is the the One X player, not the One yeah. X player 2. No, this is the... I believe it's on their website. It's going to be the One X Player Mini Pro. So it's okay. like the 7... It's the 7... If you go under their refurb, I believe on their website... It is the, it's, I think, $600 for, 
give or take. I don't exactly remember the overall total cost of it right now um, okay. because they they have a few different models going on. This is my problem with the, some of the Chinese OEMs is they have kind of a shotgun effect of just throw stuff out there and have 75 mm-hmm. different iterations of the same thing. Yeah, very cell phone manufacturer. Right. Uh, yes. So, yes. so some some of their offerings look very compelling. Like just that, the, like the mm-hmm. just. I'm just saying this is total total side right. ta- side tangent because we can't keep on track. But the One X Never. Player Two <laughs> slash Two Pro, it comes with the one with like the, a, the a keyboard detachable joysticks. Well, this the, well, that also on the keyboard as well. You can have a detachable yeah, yeah. keyboard to it. Mm-hmm. So, like mm-hmm. to my mind, I think like wow, they're actually you know doing a a very interesting thing there hardware wise right. i mean uh, so they i don't think they i actually have it I, yeah. I wouldn't spend the 1500 bucks that those are probably costing if i remember correctly the cost those, those get really really expensive for the better end models yeah yeah, yeah okay. i was noticing that they really jump which is probably why you went with the version that you did was because well the, price wise stupid too stupid deal on it because that that's the version i got goes for so I don't remember exactly what the cost, like official MSRB from directly from them is, but I got it for 200. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's really good. One third. That's a good price. So right now, the One X Player Mini Pro with 16 gigs and 512 gigabytes of RAM is listed for $600, which is marked off from 1,200 US. Mm-hmm. And the and the version I got is the all white version, which costs more. Has thir- this one has thirty two gigs of RAM and a terabyte of storage. So oh heck may- yeah, that's a killer so deal for two hundred bucks plus the fifty for the Hall of X, whatever. I'll own it. I'm okay with that. So I will say that the on the software experience side on Windows is god awful. You can tell it's third party stuff tacked on to the OS. Kind of like how most of Windows stuff works in general. It, it, it doesn't have that. And Nate, because you're a, a SteamOS person, you'll you'll understand it a little more, is that mm-hmm. just that integration of tools into the OS and feeling natural with the OS, where, where it doesn't feel like it's just a kind of third-party right. tack-on. And that's what a lot of these window like Windows-based ones feel like. It's more tacked on stuff on top of the OS. It doesn't have a catered experience. It, it is very much a, we're going to cram the square peg through the round hole with a triangle with a hammer kind of approach. And it, it makes for a really bad Fuji build, honestly. That's my opinion. But overall, I think it's been a good experience. I got about, I think, 100 or so games installed on, on that thing right now. So like very, very sized games and whatnot. But yeah, so other than that. But I'm not the only one giving updates and changing things. Wendy, it seems to be you're changing phone service providers. Yes, I did that recently. So we'd been with a prepaid service for a while. And we've been using Starlink Internet now since end of October. Yeah, I think end of October, beginning of November is when we got it set up somewhere along those lines. And I've really been enjoying it so far. We've had several upgrades. And so my internet has gotten better. Definitely, I've noticed that my upload speeds have gotten better, a little bit more stable. So yay on that end. And I heard about the partnership that T-Mobile is doing with Starlink. Now, they've finally gotten some satellites launched 
and it's not fully rolled out yet. They've had some different issues with regulations and all of that stuff and other companies saying, hey, you're not allowed to do that. And just, you know, the, the legal battle stuff that's been going on. There, there's other places out there that are way better at informing on what's going on with that. But they did finally get some satellites launched for that service. They're going to start with text messages and then it's going to roll over to phone calls. And that is a service that we are definitely looking forward to. Now, when we're in the mountains, I'm not as excited about that when we're up in the mountains with the family, because one of the things that I enjoy about that is like devices don't work, right? You can't access your social media from there. But on the upside of having that connected satellite service eventually on our phones is my husband does a lot of traveling, a lot of traveling for work. And there are times, especially over courses or areas of Nevada, which I've talked about before, that he has no internet service at all, no phone service, no texting, no nothing. So we pay $20 a month for a separate device that connects to his phone and then connects to satellites so he can send an X number of messages out for that. He can't make phone calls with it, but he can make text messages so, and they can send an SOS. And if you send an SOS, not only does it alert people on your SOS list, but also the closest emergency services. So if, if he's up in the mountains by himself or he's traveling and something happens, he does have a connection, especially with the service pickup. If it goes down, he needs to be able to get a hold of somebody inside of that dead zone. So we're, we're paying extra for that service right now. And we're looking forward to eventually having that connection on our phones. From what I understand of the service, you won't need a special phone. You won't need like a dedicated satellite phone. You will be able to use just your regular phone. So right now I've got a OnePlus 9. This one I'm actually looking at replacing it at the moment because it's been just over three years since we got this one and I'm noticing that my battery is not lasting very long anymore. Like I'll wake up in the morning with it dead or like close to dead because I don't have a charger right next to me. I don't leave it on the charger all night. So yeah, I I'm definitely having issues with battery and Magneto's been having some serious issues with his phone. Granted, it lasting three years for him is like a, a major plus. So we don't have to be worried about buying specific satellite phones because it's supposed I was thinking, to work. It sounds like with... a miracle it lasted that long, but that's just that's just my <laughs> it is. opinion on that. It, and I, I not is. to be not to be like rude or mean, but I mean I realize it is, but it does seem like a miracle. No, it's not rude. It's not mean. Actually, when I mentioned to him the other day that it had been that long. And I didn't realize it had been that long. I knew it had been at least a couple years, but I'd mentioned to a friend that I was looking at some different phones and looking at some mainly for Magneto. But when I was looking at some different phones and he's like, didn't you just get those? So I went and looked up on my Best Buy account because I'd bought them from Best Buy on Black Friday, not that they were on sale. That's just when we'd finally decided what we wanted and I, I finally bought them. And it was no longer on my list of things. Like you can show three years worth of purchases on your Best Buy and it was no longer on there. So it was this previous November. It's been just over three years. And I was like, holy crap. And when I mentioned that to Magneto, he's like, really? Okay, I'm more impressed with it because I didn't realize it had been that long either. And normally 
his phones last no more than two years because he is so hard on them, the dirt in the environment, the grease in the environments that he works in, and just the fact that, like, Magneto is hard on hardware, period. Like, we're both kind of amazed. We're all amazed that his phone lasted that long. But it's time to get a new one. And with the way the service works, it's nice knowing that we can just pick whatever phone is going to work best for him instead of having to have a special satellite phone. Yeah. No, that's definitely cool. How's the overall, just kind of, again, side tangent, overall, have you been pleased with the service from Starlink as a whole? Yeah, yeah, I've definitely been really pleased with them, but I can really only compare it to what I had before, what I had with my local service provider, and... Without a doubt, I was hoping for some faster upload speeds based on what the internet was showing. But like I told you guys, when we first got it, they had had some satellites go down due to some solar flares and, and some falling out of orbit a little bit faster than they were supposed to. And I think they've pretty much replaced those. So when doing uploads, I've went from an average about 5 megabits per second up to I'm noticing closer to 9, 10 megabits per second up and sometimes seeing over 20, just kind of depending on which satellite I'm connected to at the time and how close it is to us at the moment. But I've definitely seen an uptick in my overall speeds and definitely more stable upload speeds. And for me, as someone who uploads really large files on a regular basis, that's what I care about. Like, I really don't notice download. Download's fine. It doesn't affect us at all. What I care about is the upload speeds and how fast <laughs> can I get something up and done and out of my hair, right? <laughs> uh, for I'm sure. assuming not only you, but... When you edit for other people, they also appreciate that because that means they get the files quicker. Right. They get the files quicker. They're not waiting on them. It's not like, hey, I started this upload in six hours. You can have it. And when I was with my old ISP, that's definitely how it was. And I was talking to them and they're like, oh, yeah, your file's so big that it was dropping me down to like less than one to one oh, megabit per second. And I'm like... The file that I'm uploading is six gigs. That is going to take forever. It's going to take forever. I have a life. I don't want to babysit my computer and wait for things to upload. I want to go do things. I'm busy. So, you may as well just like drive it to Michael's yeah, house at that point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it, it would be so much faster just to be like, hey, I'm jumping on an airplane with a USB stick. I'll see ya. <laughs> I was going to say. You can get it in the mail. It'd probably be quicker to get the, just mail the, you know, snail mail. <laughs> just mail a USB stick. Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely been better. I've been happy with it. Like I said before, if you have access to fiber or other high-speed internet in your location, it may not be the best for you because you are de dealing with variable rates. It does go up and down depending on the time of day and the overall traffic, and it goes up and down depending on which satellite you're connected to. So there are different maps that you can watch. So I can look at the maps and see which satellites I'm kind of connecting to at a time as it's switching different. And then I can look as like something's uploading from my phone and see as we go from a satellite that has just passed over my house to now it's too far away and it's connecting to another one at a distance and seeing like those speeds bounce. So it, it's not super smooth. There, There is some variability there, but I do know that one of the latest things that was talked about is they want to make Starlink good for first-person shooter gaming. 
to have that speed, to have that lack of latency in between things. So two thumbs up for me. I'm not playing those games, but it makes my work <laughs> life easier. <laughs> so for those that non-gamers speak, 200 milliseconds or under is generally considered good. So as far as FPS reaction speeds, for those that don't understand that, that means from the time I press a button or a movement on the controller, how it translates from that to the server and back to me, generically 200 or less is considered good. Most people want even lower, but realistically... <laughs> Get, right. given the given the internet infrastructure of the US so like realistically like so right now my latency is how fast 27 really milliseconds <laughs> I don't play that game but it's popular oh. Matt probably plays Fortnite a lot I just don't see that being one of his games no not not so much yeah yeah no, Fortnite, if I played Fortnite, that would require me to support Epic. And do you think I have bought in a single game off the Epic Game Store? Anything That's that is part of my Epic Games library has been stuff they give away. So I'm just taking money from them at this point. So I don't mm. care. I got you. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally get that. I definitely do. And Nate, you have joined the new monitor crew with your new one monitor. But this one isn't for home. This one's for work. I thought you had yes. six at work. So now you're up to seven? No. So I have, for my home office, when I work from home, I have a six monitor setup. And I still okay. have to, I still have to cubicle Nate article, article that and releases information on that. But that aside, I have, so at, at work, I have three monitors in front of me previously. And I had, and that's all, they're all hooked up to a Windows system. And I found that I was using the mm. Linux a lot more than Windows. So I had like one monitor for Linux and then the other two for Windows. And then one of the monitors, actually, since I got there, has already been going bad. And I have to occasionally like flick the, the bezel on it to get the oh. vertical lines to disappear. And so I said, <laughs> and I don't like asking for things. You know, I just, I like to make do with, with various bits of technology until I drive them completely into right. the ground. That's just kind of how I play. And so I didn't want to ask for a monitor, but like doing certain spreadsheets and a lot of the documentation I do, it was actually getting really aggravating. So I said, can I get a new monitor? I'm like, well, sure. I says, well, can I get a new monitor that's perhaps a little more expensive? It's actually like two monitors and one plus a mm. USB-C hub. And they're like, sure. And, and so it was around 500 some odd dollars for the monitor. For It's a dual up. This is an LG dual up monitor. I've talked about this before. And I actually wrote an article on cubicle.com about it, about like the how fascinating I, I think it is. And so the way I have it set up now, is pretty much I just take my, my framework laptop. I got a little stand I printed off, which I'll, I'll share that with you too. It's, it's actually kind of nice that when yeah. you set it in there, it it, uh, it kind of closes in and holds it in place. So not, not completely, Ooh. but pretty good. It's, it's, a neat, it's a neat design. And so I, I, I basically just dock the, the the framework. I got, you know, it's a keyboard and mouse there and I do whatever it is I need to do. And then I just have the one monitor hooked up to the framework at work. And at home, I have it hooked up to six monitors. So it's... They're very different setups. But anyway, it's very nice because I can I have yeah. the larger... It's like two 1440p monitors joined together on top of each other, wide aspect ratio. So it's actually, it's a really... It's a lot of... It's not a, so it's like two monitors nice. I'm looking at right now stacked up on top of each other as far as in pixels. So it's not not obviously this, as big as what I have in front of me. But it's great because I can have like on the top is like my main work area and then bottom, like the lower two quadrants, I have like my email and my, you know, Microsoft Teams. I know, Matt, go ahead and fill in whatever <laughs> you're going to say. 
Okay, nothing. <laughs> That's fine. But we, it's a, we're, we're a Microsoft moment. organization. And so, you know, that's what we use to communicate. That's how, that's what we use to the high, for the higher level co-op that we're a part of. That's Teams is everything. So I guess I'm a Microsoft sysadmin now or something like that. I don't know. Not a very good one. But anyway, that's how I've been operating. <laughs> but I try hard. Although Yoda would tell me, do or do not, there is no try. But I do put a lot of effort into making sure that it's the best experience possible. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the monitor. So I have, you know, I have four workspaces and then I have, you know, certain things will stay like, I'll keep like, like the teams up on, on multiple workspaces because the way, the way Plasma works is really awesome. You can actually select which desktops you actually want it to be on, which virtual desktops, which yeah. is really cool. So like, you know, on, on, so like right now it's actually virtual desktops two and four is where I keep it and then one and three reserved for other things. But it's really nice. Got a big workspace to do whatever it is I got to do. I love it. And it really makes it, it makes working on whatever various things way better. I'm, I'm getting a little used to it still. Get trying to get the right tilt, you know, because it's a it's a sit stand desk. So when I stand, I have yeah. it tilted one way. When I sit, I have it tilted another way. But outside of that, that that's like the only issue is I have to tilt it between sitting and standing. So I don't think that's a big deal. Yeah, that's not too bad. So it's just sitting on the table, or do you have it mounted on an arm? It's mounted on an arm, so it's, it's like a three arm. Okay setup that, w- that was there before so the one yeah. monitor that was failing i took that one off and then did some monitor swaps around and then uh, put that one on one of the arms and then the the linux uh, the, the the framework just sits below another monitor and then i have you know a couple of keyboards there so nice. uh, i really like it i would say so far now mind you, i don't have a whole lot of hours logged on it yet but so far i really like the monitor i think it's pretty great there might be some better options out there i just actually after i bought this one i saw there's a there's a competitor but it's like an off brand so i'm a little bit leery about you know no name brand monitor mm-hmm. you know so i didn't yeah I didn't, you know i might buy it for home but i wouldn't ask work to buy it for me so anyway that's it's pretty cool like the the color for me i mean i'm not i'm not a graphic designer I, I don't do i don't do photo editing that requires like the perfect whatever you know i, I don't even know the you don't have to use. worry about color calibration or any of that fun stuff yeah not at all so if basically if black is black and white actually is white, pretty it's good. pretty gosh dang good i just pulled it up so the the dual up monitor and is this the one with usbc mm-hmm. so i literally just so, plug yeah. that usbc Right into my computer, it charges it, and there's everything down the the Thunderbolt. Yeah, which so is this super one cool. actually has a really wide color gamut on it. It's one that if somebody did want to use it for color work, they could. I think it'd be. I haven't done any video editing on it because when I'm at work, I'm not doing video editing because I'm right. working. But I would be interested. Like I, I might at some point in time just see what it's like to open Caden Live on a desktop just to see you know how 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 sweet that would be or not. But I think that would be pretty yeah. great, actually, because you have a lot of there's a lot of real estate there to to do video editing. So each screen, I can see kind of how it's looking right now. So each screen is technically like 28 inches, or it's 28 inches overall on the diagonal. It's 28 inches overall. Yep. So it's not it's not okay. terribly big. It's yeah, it's not it's not a huge screen, but it's <clears throat> it's a lot of pixels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm running it, of course, with Wayland, and there's no screen tearing. It's actually, it's it's very responsive. It doesn't have any, like, you know, with X, you would have weirdness, you know, with that mm. pushing that many pixels, but this is, this is no, nothing. It's great. 
it's truly a, so a fantastic experience. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, it's been fun. It's been it's been practical. It's made it's made one of the problems for me anyway. It's like I I would be at work and I have a project. I'm like, you know what? This will be easier when I get home this evening. I'll finish it up at night. You know, when, when right. I get home from work. And I I kind of wanted to stop saying that because it's like I should be more productive at work than at home. So yes. uh, this this made it a little bit closer. I still have a better setup at home, but I don't have an office big enough. I got way more space here in Cubicle Labs than I do, you know, for a lot of projects at work. Right. Yeah. So a lot of lot of things that require any any sort of like tinkering or or like tearing stuff apart, I bring it home to work on because mm-hmm. it's just they're not going to they they don't have the space to give me a lab and they will have they have zero inclination to give me a lab because if it's not making if that floor space isn't making money, they're not going to want to give it up so right yeah <coughs> and you've all got all that. your tools at home anyway i mean you've got everything right. you need to take it apart and put it back yeah. together so that that does make it easier as far as that goes it sucks to get into a project and be like hmm i don't have the screwdriver for that <laughs> well i could go to maintenance and get just about anything i need there but it's just, oh, nice. it's just irritating easier to, yeah. right and i could probably use their space for some some projects but it's just some things like if I'm going to let it run for an extended period of time, it's just way easier to do it here than it is to do it there. So if I do some, like, yeah, run run some tests or whatnot. But but I know. anyway, so that's that's it. Not much more to say besides that. So far, the LG Dual Up Monitor, which I first showed on the Linux Matters podcast from you know Popey and Wimpy and and Mark. So that's that's actually where I first nice. heard it and looked into it. Was very interested, and now I have it. So I blame I blame Popey. Actually, it's Mark <laughs> it's that had got it. Fault. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen to podcasts. <laughs> bad, bad for your health. Or your, your, actually, no, it didn't affect my pocketbook. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad for your health. It's great for your health. You should listen to more podcasts. Listen to this podcast <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> there you go. Share with your friends. <laughs> Leave a like, like and subscribe. And subscribe. Beep. Yeah, is that there a thing? we go. Oh, now, no. we, now we filled that. Whatever I can't remember what I was going to say. Yeah requirement <laughs> and that's just a well, podcast I mean, it's not something a that Linux we normally podcast. say here right i mean that, that's not something that we're not like hey like and subscribe they, they do on like every single youtube video there is out mm-hmm. there they've got that push and that's something that we've never done till just now it's true so i don't you know, know I, whether i'm like we've crossed that barrier or like do i feel dirty because we just said uh, no you feel dirty like and so subscribe. uh i, I, I <laughs> On many cubicle night videos, I will say, if you like this video, like, you know, I said, and if, yeah. you, and if you really dislike this video, you know, dis- hit that dislike button twice and really, really make it stick. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I've had comments on that, actually. So I guess the, uh, the question that we want to unravel here is, do, do Linux users live inside some kind of a bubble a bit too much and don't really see Linux for what it truly is because we're just so deep inside of it. We can't see the forest from the trees or whatever. <laughs> well, and I don't know that I, I, I guess it depends because you do have the people that will say how bad windows or Mac is and then pretend like there's nothing wrong with 
Linux at all, which there, mm-hmm. there's give and takes to every op- operating system, right? There's some positives here. There's some positives over there. There's negative on both ends. And where do you balance that out? Where does it have the best workflow, the best entertainment, like everything for you? But I know Matt brought up this topic with a new Linux user video that he found. And I think you did a reaction to that one. And I haven't sat down to watch it yet because I haven't had time to have my earbuds in because that's one you, you know, don't want to have kids around for. (laughs) Yeah. So what I personally mean by like, do we live in a bubble specifically as it relates to likes is how we really do we talk to new users Mm -hmm. or people potentially interested in coming over from the other areas. Because when we say, Oh, go pseudo app, get update, install, you know, whatever, like insert command here, they are going to be like, how what? (laughs) Because the platforms they're coming from generically, because I'm, I'm doing lowest common denominator. I'm talking about the crowd that might have a passing interest in technology, but doesn't, you know, there's, there's a crowd and it's usually like, it's this weird cross section of like people who are into hardware and gaming and just technology in general. So there's just kind of area where Lennox usually falls into and they hear it in passing. Mm-hmm. So, but you tell them to go, Oh, go pseudo app install whatever or you know whatever archaic terms arch is using currently or the old flat pack commands that used to be the way to install flat packs before thing you know it, like it's just such an archaic way but we're speaking to the audience or the wall however you want to look at it and back into the chamber of how this is the way for new users and it's like it's so contradictory because we're like oh we want new people we want new people so they're not all you know what I'm turning into a gray beard mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at this point. Like it, we want to bring those people in so that we have future developers that we have people that are like the, the ecosystem itself grows. Like you have new ideas for hardware and software and how to utilize that. And like just overall. And I, I think we do ourselves kind of a disservice sometimes where like, we don't understand people outside the bubble. And like how they approach technology and computing in general, because we're a niche of a niche and like the 1% of like the 0.2% or 2% of whatever at this point when it comes to technology. So not everyone's going to be a hobbyist. Not everyone's going to have an interest in technology. Not everyone's going to care. They're going to kind of like what, as it relates to the steam deck, most people that buy the steam deck might be tankers, but most of them I've found, especially even like reviewers who are technically inclined they view it as an appliance and that's 99% of computer users. It's a tool. They want it to do a job. We have to be better about talking to that crowd so we can expand the audience and the ecosystem. So I, I thought about this quite a bit. And, and, and now that I'm with the job change that I've had, I, 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 I deal with, that's not the right word. I interact with many users. There's about a hundred or so user machines that I'm concerned about the usage of them. And for the most part, I, I kind of think that like nobody really cares about their computers. There's like, there's basically like two people, two, three, four people that actually like are enthusiastic about technology there. Most people, it, it, a, a laptop is an appliance. And which, by the way, I'm, I'm amazed by the number of times that Windows has such a hard time like just doing simple things, like, like applications continu- continually just running like they're supposed to. 
It could be the application. It might not be a Windows problem. I don't know. Might but, be a um, bit of both. Might be a bit of both. But but I, I wouldn't necessarily want to put them on Linux though either, because I think that'd be a whole new set of problems. You know, I wouldn't want yeah. to force it on somebody. So I think for somebody who wants, I think the, the key here is recognizing that people know how to use Windows because of a certain paradigm. They're, they're comfortable with it. This is how it just works. Now, a mm -hmm. lot of people who I work with, they don't install anything on their computer anyway. So whether it's a Windows or a Linux machine, they, they, they probably wouldn't know the difference or wouldn't care. Mm -hmm. um, but whenever I write articles like on kubeglinate.com, I write it for as if I were speaking to me. And, and I, don't, I consider myself basically uh, not an expert in Linux at all. I kind of like it more like a seasoned novice, maybe at best. Because like, <laughs> like I, I, I'm going to give you an example. I wanted to do the, the command line of how to add my username, give him specific permissions. And I'm like, yeah, I don't use it often enough to remember. Mm -hmm. I know how to do it in Yash. It's very easy to go into user settings mm -hmm. and, and whatever and just add it. But I'm like, I had to look it up. One of my articles, actually it's a wiki that I did for OpenSUSE. So that's how I looked it up because I knew where it was with the Arduino IDE. But anyway, and so it's like, I, I, I try and write things step-by-step, step, like what are all the steps that I have to take to do a thing. And that's how I like to write an article because it's, it's, I do live in my, my tech bubble, but I also recognize, you know, I'm in that tech bubble and how am I going to explain it to somebody outside of that bubble step-by-step step, what are the steps you have to take. So I do do command line stuff in my step-by-step, step, but I also recognize that I'm talking to somebody who's enthusiastic about learning about the technology, not somebody who's just trying to they just want to play games and move on for life. So I, it's a different, right. it's a slightly different crowd, I think. And so, so I don't, I, go ahead, Nate. I, anyway, so I, I don't want to, I'll be like, there are different kinds of new users to Linux. And I think that, so that bubble becomes more like, you know, like when you blow bubbles, you know, like kids blow bubbles, you know, and like some they stick yeah. together and then they land and they have like a bunch of different little. So I think we can be in different, within different bubbles of the bubble mess essentially and so yeah yeah they would yeah, recognize I mean, if you go, like with a, a venn diagram kind of analogy you yeah. can mm -hmm. be inside of two different circles you can be in that area in the middle and and i definitely get where you're saying you could be a new user that wants to learn stuff from the command line and i get that and it's i think it's one thing that Destination Linux does really, really well is they're speaking to both sides. So on this latest episode of DL, I think it's 356, they're doing some different talks about snap packages and they go through some of the history of those things and they kind of walk the people through it. So if you are new and you haven't been exposed to some of those things yet, then it kind of gives you a background on it. And if you're an existing user, you can always fast forward a little bit. I mean, it's not like they're talking to you in a way that makes you sound or feel stupid. They're just kind of laying that information out there. So if you want to use those things, then you can. And if you don't want to, you, you don't. So in the terms of hey, you're a new user to Linux and you're just throwing out the one way of doing it in the terminal. Like I said, I enjoy updating in the terminal and I have since I have been on Linux, but it's one of those cases where it'd be nice to say, you have two options. And especially where this is a video, demonstrate this is how you update from the GUI and this is how you update from the terminal. Pick which one you like the best. 
No, I, I definitely agree. Like, I'm not saying that we should, my thing is, is like, if there's, it's kind of like when distros say, oh, we cater to n- new users. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, most new users. I'm taught, like, this is why I say I ge- I'm generalizing most new users. And yeah. like Nate said, there's like, Nate, out of 100 people, we'll say maybe 4% care about tech give or take in general that might be a little high actually you, you that, might be i'm i'm, be, I'm being generous yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so say four or five percent care if mm. you're talking to the other we we can't always just talk to the four percent you you have to talk to the 95 percent to see if they might even have a passing interest in it right and you do that by showing them that there are alternatives or however you want to word that but you have to give them equivalencies of what they're used to in the same note. So like if someone's going to create a video and say, this is for new users, are you talking to people who are in the Venn diagram of like technology enthusiasts and hobbyists and that stuff? Or are you trying to talk to the other 95% of the world? Right. Well, that, like, and that, I'm, that, that's where I'm coming from. Yes. And I'm one of those people who need to see it in order to understand exactly what's going on plus like going through and doing it myself so the best learning experiences for me is when i've got a video that's walking it walking me through it step by step and then at the same time i can do it at the same time so it's kind of been a nightmare for me as we've been learning java and not that there isn't a lot of stuff out there for java it's just harder to find stuff that is relevant to ftc So as we're going through it, and I'm trying to help my daughter learn it, so in the process I'm learning it myself, I'm struggling to find ways that work. And the the one kid that's on the other FTC team, he's pretty knowledgeable in Java, but the frustrating part is it's like, oh, just do this. And I'm like, I understand on a certain level because I've worked with MicroPython, but at the same time, structure of things are a little different and file structure is a little different. So can I see what that line of code looks like? Where does it fall in the line of things inside of that code document? Like that's the stuff I physically want to see it because if I've got, say, a a piece of code, say it's for a teleop program. So that's where you have the controls entered, what buttons on the controllers do what. If I can physically see that, then I can read my way through it and work my way backwards to this is how you got there. So that that's how I learn. That's how I want to see it. Give me something physical to look at. Now, every new user is going to be different, but providing those options as like Nate does with having, sometimes you've got some videos up on them too at the same time or mm-hmm. little podcasts. I can't remember what you call them. But being able to walk you through it that way, the text version who who want to read it. But it's just keeping in mind that as you're going through those different things, what what is your audience? Are you speaking to someone who is installing Linux for the first time and they're really, really overwhelmed with all the different options that you have there and then you're throwing like <laughs> one more terminal command at them and they're like, eh, never mind. I, I've just stressed myself out of going any further. Or, you know, what what does that look like? And I'm now at the point where I'm rambling, but I get what you're saying. Yes, think about your audience. You're you're targeting to new users. So give that example of the terminal, but also at the same time, let's be honest, not every new user who's walking into this is going to 
jump wholeheartedly into Linux from scratch. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think it's like when they say target a new user, I think that that's a, oh, I'm going to, please don't throw me off the boat, but I think it's a silly premise. So here's what I think. If anything, you want to target makers. So someone who's interested in making something, you know, whether mm. it's CAD or, or circuit whatever. design or whatever, building robots, that kind of maker. And that, that's, all, again, splits into other groups too. Show the power of Linux or why this form of computing is better for this function and make it easy to make the transition of understanding how to do that. Or another, another area I would say is like, like graphic designers. So someone, let's say, who has a cry mm -hmm. cut, cricket, what's it called? Cricket. Yes. Which cricket or, isn't great for Linux. Getting all of no. that jargon working isn't great. But if you want something like that, get the Cameo Silhouette where you can have the Inkscape plugin and not have to touch proprietary software. There you Ooh, go. You, we need to talk about this. Okay. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> not now. Future show or something. Or off, <laughs> offline, they'll bring it back. We can because, do Perfect. Show. Yep. That's a topic. <laughs> so target like, you know, like, okay, so I was in a talking in an OpenSUSE group, this is a while ago on, on the OpenSUSE mm. bar, is saying, we need to target more women. And I'm like, why don't you target their interests? Yes. Just don't. Yes. So it's like, it's, it's, a, it's, such a, it's a weird thing to say, oh, we need to have more women. I'm like, just target their interests. Well, then how do you cater towards someone who has like, what do women care about? Now, you're, you're kind of a, a weird exception. No offense, Wendy. Yeah. Because you're into I'm robotics. I'm it's cool. <laughs> you're into robotics and, and you know, beating things up. I'm the minority. When when it yes. comes to the majority of women, I am definitely in the minority being part of code and robotics and some of the other stuff that I'm and, in. Yeah, definitely. And cool. But so generally speaking, if you're targeting robotics, you're not targeting women. But if you're targeting, let's say, let's say like clothing design, embroidery, stuff like that, mm -hmm. there are some men in that, but but it's a primarily, you know, women are more care more about fashion than. I mean, I could care less about fashion. Do the jeans fit? And does it, and can I can I, does a shirt not make me look like I'm swimming inside of it, or 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 like I'm you know wearing a medium? So finding the right balance. That's all I care about, you know. Uh, right. But as far as like appearance wise, <laughs> it's really more of a generally am I speaking. Do am I, I look comfortable? Yeah. Passable for work. Yeah. Can can I can I go to work and 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 not be given the the eye? You know. Mm -hmm. Don't show up in don't show up in like gym clothes. So I might show up in five and five fingers every once in a while, but that's only the same. Oh. So nobody cares. <laughs> anyway, the so the idea there is do, does you know, are you targeting the interests? So uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'd say that new user, maybe they got a maybe they got a sewing machine that can do, you know, embroidery of some kind. And they want to be able to create designs with Inkscape or something like that and be able to export those over to right. the sewing machine. That would be an area to target. No idea if it's even possible. I'm sure there's something out there for it, but creating an easy way to make that transition would be a way, one way to go because mm -hmm. Linux tends to support older or more obscure hardware like that for a longer period of time than the proprietary counterparts. So that would be a way to go. And that's that's just kind of how I look at it. So new user in in what space? What are you trying to accomplish with with the computer? That's what you need to target. Target the target the objective, not not the Linux. That Linux is the right yeah. tool for this objective. And I really like that. And and as far as like editing goes, yes, it's been kind of a pain to get DaVinci up and running. I've got it running on Ubuntu Studio right now, and for the most part, it's running pretty gosh dang smooth, which is awesome. And when I've had to edit using DaVinci on Windows, 
I have noticed that I've had issues with the system crashing because I'm running out of RAM. I've got 32 gigs of RAM and I already know that I need to replace that RAM. But because of the heaviness of that operating system in general, and I have a very large render going out, DaVinci crashes and it doesn't finish. And so I've had to go through and like close background stuff and other things that it it's opening and processing in the background in order to make that work. So it's nice to be able to say you have an operating system here that allows you to get this creative work done more efficiently using less system resources or better use of your system resources without specific crashes like that. It's my issue with Cricut has definitely been I absolutely loathe their software and I hate the fact that I can't do a forced firmware upgrade on them. So I've been really considering selling mine and getting that. And it was after I bought my Cricut that I realized, hey, for some of these other ones out there, you can use their proprietary software or some have that you can just plug into something like Inkscape and export it from there. How well does that work? I don't know. I haven't actually played with it yet, but I know that it is an option that's available. So you want to do all of these graphic things, these fun, creative, crafty things. Here is how you achieve that on Linux. That's a wonderful approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is what I mean. Like talk to the audience, like, and that's what we don't do. Unfortunately, we, we talk to the Linux audience. Cool. Like that's awesome. Yeah. But like, we're, we're not targeting to an audience at all. It's either the vague new user, which the way I'm viewing it is very generalized to like computer is tool. That's what I use it for. Don't care. Like Nate, you were saying, look at the create uh, the makers or creators or however you want to specifically word that like target, target the industry, target the, the, you know, group as a whole. And then you can splinter off from there, but like figure out, like if you're going to talk to makers, they're going to be more DIY and that kind of stuff. And they're more going to be more willing to do that stuff. But if you're going to be like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a content creator. I'll put it that way. And I'm going to talk about these things are great for new brand new Linux users. Well, if you're, if that's the audience you're talking about, they're going to be used to this way of coming over. And like the, the transition phase needs to be smoother, which like, again, audience, audience, audience talk to the audience, not the wall and I'm for, or the, into the bubble. And unfortunately, sometimes it just feels like we talk to the bubble a little too much. That's just where I feel like we do. See, I, I think largely, cause you know, I think like what, what is it that excites you about Linux in general? And when mm -hmm. I say Linux, I mean, I, I mean, kind of, I say it fast and loose when I say Linux, because I mean, Linux and all the different, the various tools that allow us to do mm -hmm. the things we do. It's, it's actually, it's for an ideological reason more than anything else. It's that software freedom, the ability to the, the take ownership of my computer. And so I'm, I, am, I am more than happy to take on the burden of whatever it is to be a sysadmin for those machines in the least painful way possible, of course, which is, you know, why I use OpenSUSE Tumbleweed. And, <laughs> which is always and, painful. Yeah. I, oh, well, <laughs> um, so the, you know, that, that being said, what excites me is the ability to get whatever the, not, not necessarily, it's how the operating system enables me to get my work done in the most efficient mm -hmm. way and to make it enjoyable because it's like, it's a, you know, you can buy a, 
you know, a dot, well, maybe not anymore, but you can buy a Dodge Omni or a Ford Escort and that'll get you back and forth to work. Not comfortably and, and you won't enjoy, I mean, it's, it's just not gonna be an enjoyable ride or you can have a nicer ride. And, and if you don't care about cars, you will appreciate the nicer ride. And so there is an equivalency, I think, with Linux and open source software. If the ride can be good, great. If the ride is really bumpy and kind of ropey, you know, like trying to run TurboTax on, on, on Wine. Nope, just going to use the online version instead. Anyway, um, right. things like that, you know, if it's, a, if it's a really ropey experience, it's not going to be enjoyable anyway. But, you know, I think, you know, I think with, with the advent of the browser age, a lot of things don't really matter in that regard. So, I don't know. I just think you have to, cons- I think I enjoy the ride. I enjoy the philosophy. I enjoy being able to control my system, being able to, th- that's why I get excited about Linux. It's, so, I, it's, that's that's it, yeah. saying that I can do this thing because I've been empowered to do so, not that someone else is going to do it for me. And because that, that's depressing for me. Uh, so, I, I get what you're saying, Nate. For me, the selling point, like you're talking about, control. You you can determine the experience. If you mm-hmm. want a predefined experience, cool. Here's here's the new user distro. However, if that new user distro is giving you insert new user distro command here, and that's their way of documentation, you're not exactly catering to the new user who is probably actually transferring from Windows or Mac. Right. Like like again talk to the audience and that that's really what i'm saying like i'm not talking about solely documentation or any of that i'm just like talk in terms they're gonna understand equivalencies Mm -hmm. so audience that that's what i'm talking about so like i i get what you're saying though so like when you said talk to talk to makers i i totally get what you're saying because they're going to be more interested in getting down and dirty Mm -hmm. and like that is then you're going to have the crowd that doesn't care right and The, the the OS is just tools to launch stuff to, a, you know, insert browser here, basically. Mm-hmm. Most of them don't even know what the browser is. Most of them are like, what, what's the thing that, give me, I want the internet. <laughs> like that's get, how they, how, how do I get, how do I get to the Googles? How do I get to the Googles? Yeah. <laughs> how do I get to the Facebooks or the Googles or, you know, whatever. That's how most, that's how most people view tech in general, like, or an app store, like. And that, I think that's the experience. And I think that's perfectly fine. And I think right. that, you know, mm-hmm. those people, they're not, inter- they're not technology enthusiasts. So I, there's, I mean, unless you are giving them some sort of an appliance that just does that thing very easily for them, like <laughs> steam deck, steam deck, right. or I'm sorry, again, please don't throw me off the boat, but the Chromebook is a really good method. Yes. It's part of the reason why they're used in schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and for those that are thirsty to be able to do more with their computers and 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 manipulate them further, they're gonna they're gonna come to a point where the Chrome OS is not going to be satisfactory anymore. And then those are the people yeah. that will explore something else that's you know similar. And yeah, that's what that'll be the crowd that you generically will start looking at Android apps and mm-hmm. getting that installed. Or then if Android apps don't do it for them, then they'll be looking at the full blown Linux apps that you're able to run on the Chromebooks as well. And then somebody like a system 76 might be a great choice for, you know, a computer then if they want to go beyond that or there's others, you know, Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. plenty of others that that's not Starcraft star something star, star Star labs, star labs. That's right. Star labs. And you have tux, you know, tux computers as well. 
Yep. Yeah. So there's there's tuxedo tuxedo computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tuxedo. It's somewhere along those lines. Tux tux. Yeah. It's the Linux related, yep. right? So <laughs> there's there are, there are these other options they can explore if they want to you know an off the shelf experience or if they want to try installing something. You know, we have mm-hmm. somebody new that just has been doing Linux just since November from Jamaica. They've been joining Linux Saloon lately, and mm-hmm. and they're just there Ooh. learning and absorbing. And they're excited, and so it's cool. You know, they yeah. And you know, I love it when they have questions and when they and and because they're 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 passionate about learning and that's those are the people those that's the new user mx linux i think is great but they want to try antics again because that's what seems to appeal to them not the not the fluffy ones not the fluffy distributions Mm -hmm. they want to have something a little bit more gritty not to say mx is gritty but antics is definitely a little bit gritty but and and i like it you know i appreciate that so the new user doesn't exist i don't think they're not they're they're an ambiguous un uh, unobtainium that you will never find, <laughs> but you well, can I find. I wouldn't say that they don't exist, but that their level, their interests, like what what they want out of that experience, fluctuates from person to person. So you can't pinpoint yes. this is the ideal, not the ideal. Yeah, the standard you, you have to, new user. You have yeah. to find the you have to find the audience you're talking to, mm-hmm. and. Linux, unfortunately, we regurgitate usually back into the, the, the you know, the forum mentality of, of things. And that's kind of where we just, that's the bubble that we stick in. Yeah. And unfortunately. So I think catering to whatever audience you're looking to, regardless of if your distribution or whatever is the best way to grow anything is yeah. find what you're, you find your voice for the market you're looking for. And cater to that you know i have i'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater because it was, you know i'm i'm the you can get the some legal trouble guy. for that yeah <laughs> i'm i'm the gooey guy out of the group and like I, I usually that's how i view things i tend to be more of the crossover type of person where like i'm using everything all the time so i, I tend mm-hmm. to see the the appliance mentality and i look at Linux and i'm like well why do connect the dots here like you don't have to be super technical to use it but yeah. there is a degree of you have to have interest in it to use it right now mm-hmm. at right. least the way it's currently structured but this group doesn't talk to this group and this group doesn't talk to that group because this group speaking gibberish by pseudo apt install all the things over here and this group's just like where's the app store <laughs> like you know and that's <laughs> that, that so one does not talk to the other the function yeah. to do it is the same. So I, I just wish we could kind of sometimes talk a little bit better to one another in that mentality. Cause it's like, it's just, you hear about like, Oh, we want to grow Linux, but you know, like you got to kind of walk, be a little more welcoming on both sides of the, the end of that spectrum and I find think, your audience that you're ta- talking to. I think Valve has done the most to grow Linux more than any other, yeah. any other industry yeah. out there. They've done the most. Definitely. And Nate, mm-hmm. you're using Arch, by the way. No, I'm using uh, something <laughs> Arch Heritage, but not Arch. <laughs> now it's time to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit that discourse form, drop us a line under the video, or on the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com slash contact. You know, I like that we don't say www anymore. Remember we used to say that all the time? Oh yes, all the time. Not so much. Back uh, back in the AOL days. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Those good times. Go to www.tuxdigital.com slash contact. You don't have to do that. Wait, like we know you're retro, but can you not be that retro? 
Well, I think this would be cool if like Wendy put in the, the sound of like the modem dial up that really Oh, I can totally do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. My but kids Wendy, don't understand you, you, the pain of that. You have to do it only on the time Nate does the outro. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. But because Nate, Nate, you should be the one to do the www dot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> HTTP colon slash slash. Oh wow! S? No, 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 no. This before us. It'll, it'll, re- it'll do it anyway. <laughs> You hope. <laughs> so, if you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Fit and Fuel, Destination Linux, and Linux Loon, and more at tuxdigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I pause my game to be here shirt or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. You're so mean. <laughs> we'll be back next time with another awesome sode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. Mm-hmm.